We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Come on, I know you all love a good story. Yeah, because obviously, yes. Because obviously at Christmas time, we spend time thinking about that great story that we always see, Love Actually. No, I mean, even if you're not into films, you might still appreciate good stories, right? So, you know, Angela Clay loves her horror novels, Stephen King. Oh, it's it's Andy McNabb, apparently, she likes. Um, Or maybe you're into The Archers. Come on, let's expose those people now. Who who here loves the stories in The Archers? Yeah, just Lucy and Avril. (laughs) Exposed. Uh, Personally, I think the one show is actually very good at telling stories. Does a far better job than the news, in my opinion. Stories have always communicated powerfully, haven't they? And and think about it, you know, for for thousands of years before written languages even existed, people communicated through stories and storytelling. And so this morning we're going to look just briefly at the issue of storytelling and sharing testimony. Um, We're having to run the the, the meeting shorter today, so I won't be speaking for very long because I know some of you need to be back here at one o'clock. Oh, mixed, ooh, that's a bit. I'm sorry, I'll I'll get my mum along next time, she'll cheer for me. So, for the benefit of our visitors here today, we do place a high regard on people sharing their stories of how God has changed them and showed his hand at work in their lives. We often make room on a Sunday morning for people to share those stories, uh, just the brief highlights here on a Sunday morning. But there's many other ways, of course, that we encourage one another to share the good works that God has done in our lives. You can record it on film or audio, you can write a blog, you can share it in your home groups, and best of all, of course, share it out in the community with friends, family and colleagues. Now, a few years ago, we published these two booklets, this one, Uh, called Upside Down, is actually um, 12 stories of members in this community who went through some really difficult times. But just as we were singing then, they were able to sing in the middle of the storm. It's called Upside Down because, on the face of it, their stories didn't have a happy ending. But they were able to sing in the storm because... The positive message of these stories is that God ministered and met them in the middle of it. And that's really wonderful. Uh, We've got 12 in there. But we also have another 18 testimonies in this booklet called God Set Me Free. These contain some super little stories of people who saw God's hand transform them and change them. Shall I read you a short one? One of my favourites. I bet see if you remember this one. <clears throat> see you know it. See who you know it is. Who it is? 
It's only brief. When I was 10 years old, I nearly drowned. It left me so scared, I didn't want to go anywhere near water. I never asked for help with my fear. I just didn't want to know. My fear was so bad that even when my daughter got baptised, I couldn't even watch. It was like carrying around a bag of worries that paralysed me. In June, my husband and I celebrated our ruby wedding anniversary with a family holiday in France. The place we were staying at had a pool. I didn't think I could go anywhere near it, but I did pack some shorts. Before we went, I found myself praying, God, I want to be different. Make me willing to change. What a great prayer. I couldn't believe what I'd said. On the second day, I was watching everyone in the pool, and I thought, I can do this. A friend held my hand and led me in. I was terrified, but I thought, I can do this. Eventually, I let go, and I swam across. I'm now having swimming lessons. God set me free from a 60-year fear. It's never too late for God to change things. Thank you, Vivian, for sharing that. So, our testimonies involve remembering what God has done in our lives and the lives around us. And this is very important. Just last month, on the 3rd of November, Daniel uh, shared a teaching called Light in the Storm. And one of the things he reminded us of was the importance of remembering God's goodness and that recalling the testimonies of others like that can really help build our faith. Recalling the amazing works of God is a key theme in the Bible, of course. So let's just briefly remind ourselves, right at the start, even in Genesis, we see God's people giving thanks and building altars to commemorate what God has done. Noah did it after the flood. Abram did it after God's amazing promise to him. Then later on, when the Israelites have had the miraculous escape from Egypt and Moses has led them across the the Jordan, he issues a warning to the people. Moses says, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your ears have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach your children Teach it to your children and to their children after them. I love that phrase, um, don't let them fade from your heart. That these stories are not just mental recollections. They have ministered and sown something in our heart. We mustn't let that fade away. There's something very powerful, very honouring, isn't there, about remembering the journey that God's brought us on. And it's no coincidence that our story as a church community here, the book of our story, has the title, Heart Set on Pilgrimage. You know, as a Western culture, we're not actually very good at recalling and remembering the good things that have happened and the lessons that we've been taught. I mean, as a nation, if I, was asked, if I asked you, you know, can you think of times when, as a nation, we get together and remember key things... Actually, it really just boils down to some pivotal stories about the war 
Dunkirk, D-Day, Armistice Day is the obvious one on the 11th of November. Beyond that, we're not especially good at it. So I think we just have to recognize that as a culture, we're not so good at that. But as kingdom people, I think there's an imperative for us to continually remind ourselves and remember what God has done generally, what God has done for this community, and what God has done for us individually. When God's people have forgotten to do this, then God has sent warnings. In the Old Testament, he sent prophets to bring warnings, such as the one that Isaiah brought, when he said, you've forgotten God your saviour. You've not remembered the rock, your fortress. Moving on to the New Testament, when Jesus was conducting his earthly ministry, uh, we do see a pattern that when people were healed or forgiven, Jesus told them to do what? Jesus often told them to go and tell. Go and tell your family. Go back to your village. Like uh, the story in Luke 8, when the man whom Jesus had healed uh, of multiple evil spirits, he begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, go back home. Tell how much God has done for you. So the man went all over the town telling how much Jesus had done for him. After Jesus' death and resurrection, telling the good news about Jesus took on a whole new dimension, right? Because now we've got the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit brought with it all kinds of additional power and help, but also persecution. And of course we see Stephen stoned and most of the disciples martyred for their testifying of Jesus. Persecution is something the Bible tells us to expect. When the Pharisee named Paul had a miraculous encounter with Jesus, he became the greatest evangelist, didn't he? He too was persecuted, but it didn't stop him from giving thanks and testifying and encouraging others to keep testifying because of the message of Jesus. So that's just a quick, uh, a quick review, really, of testimony, why we share it, and the importance. And it's great, isn't it? Because it ministers to us. And we can sing our testimonies, we can create prayers, we can write blogs, we can record them in films, we can come and do interviews. But what's the important thing is just that we do share what God has done for us even when we don't feel like it. In fact, especially when we don't feel like it. So, uh, what's going to happen now is I'd like to, us to listen to a specific testimony. Many of you will know Fatima, and you might know quite a bit about her story. This 15-minute story you're going to see, hopefully you'll hear something new as you listen to it, consider how God led her. Notice the lifelong significance of what God's done in her life. Fatima, of course, has a particular calling amongst us, um, which she's growing into to help and encourage us in our sharing of Jesus. So it's quite helpful to hear her story and where she's come from. At the end of this, um, I'd like to lead us 
in how God might be ministering and stirring your hearts because we've come here, yes, to be with one another, but we've come here to meet with God. And as God speaks to you through this film, we'll respond to it afterwards. Okay? Uh, Ken, can you hit the lights? Thanks. Yeah. Can you make sure you full screen it? My name is Fatime. I come from Albania. This is my story of how Jesus met with me. My childhood was quite lonely, to be honest. It was more of, um, I felt rejected, not wanted, and hearing constantly from my cousins or even my siblings that you may be um, not from God or black magics, and you hear all of those stories. You feel like, okay, I'm strange, I'm weird, and you kind of believe those lies as you grow up. I am the fourth child in my family. My parents had three other girls before me. Um, they were desperately wanted to have a boy. So they had gone to check, because they didn't have back then those equipments, technology. So they went to this uh, man of God who claimed to be from God and asked him about the gender of the baby. And he said that you'll have three girls and a boy before even I was conceived. And then towards the end of my mother's pregnancy, he had said to them that the baby is boy, but if something changes, then that's not of God. So like he assumed the gender will change by black magic or something. And unfortunately, they believed that. When I was five years old, um, I remember I was accused of something that I hadn't done. Um, so my father was convinced that I had done it, although I hadn't done it. So I kept saying, denying that I hadn't done something. And then uh, I was harshly punished, so he um, basically beat me up. Um, so I remember waking up in the other room, probably something had happened, I kind of felt unconscious. And uh, so but what I remember is, when I woke up from that, whatever it was, um, I felt that something had changed within me. Um, I just felt like um, nobody really wanted me. But then here I was, so I had to kind of protect myself from the world, from the outsiders. And I, um, and I think, you know, when you feel rejected and you kind of believe you're rejected, now that I've researched, I found out that uh, people who feel rejected or they are rejected, they either become too rebellious or they are too submissive. And I think I know where I stand. I became too rebellious. And uh, when I was 12 years old, I think around 12 probably, um, I remember, because my father had lots of books, um, amongst those books I found the Quran, and I started reading, because I, I, I love reading. Um, and at the beginning I was amazed, because it's kind of uh, like Old Testament in the Bible, it says that God, only God creates people, so that gave me this joy, oh wow, God has created me. But as you start reading, the more I read, the more disappointed I became on God, because he it says there that he favors boys more than girls. And, and there are lots of stories that are not really proper of the prophet Muhammad, and we are supposed to believe and follow him. When I was 17, I had so many dreams. I wanted to become a doctor, and I thought, oh, I can change the nation. I can change, because I wanted, I always had this um, passion inside of me to make change where I live, to help people around me. And um, the man who prophesied over me when I was little, without a, you know, before I was born, his son now was taking over his job. So like, you know, it was this kind of inheriting from his father. Um, 
But he was saying things that weren't really true. And I remember he said to somebody who was close to me that because she had um, problems with her eyes. And instead of saying, you need to go to a to doctor and have operated or something, he said to the parents, like, don't bother because she's just demon possessed. And that made me very angry because I was present. And just seeing that girl, she was older than me, obviously, um, being so, des you know, like, devastated and she had no confidence. I just couldn't hold it and I just confronted him and said to him that he's just lying, basically, and raping people off and how dare he's doing those things. And he, he got really upset. Um, so he said to me, um, you, should, you will never prosper in life because you have disagreed. Obviously, he thought he was chosen. And then he said that I, um, I should be prevented to go to university. And he said, even if you try, you will never succeed because, um, you know, God is not going to allow me. And then he said to my mother, well, all she needs is a husband, a strong husband who can keep her quiet and force her into marriage somewhere where she can't have a voice because she'll bring shame in the family. So, yeah, I, I couldn't go to, to university back home in Albania, obviously. Um, so I did get a husband as well. I got married. Um, he is from Albania. But because he lived in the UK, I just felt that this is a way for me to escape and move out of that um, area, country. The marriage was not as I would expect it, really. I think we had lots of issues. We didn't understand each other, um, so we, we failed to make it work. Uh, my lowest point, I can remember now, was when um, I was heavily pregnant and my relationship with Fikret was broken. Um, his family did not accept me. Um, maybe they couldn't support me, I don't know. Um, and I had nowhere to go, so basically I became homeless and I was heavily pregnant. I couldn't speak the language. I was asked to go by the uh, council to live far away from here, north, I think. Um, so I think my, if I can say my breakthrough was the day I met Lucy. She was my midwife back then. And um, because I was so desperate and I needed help, I said to her if she could help me after the baby was born. And I told her where, where I was going. And uh, <clears throat> um, so Lucy looked at me for a while and she said to me that, oh, that is far away. Do you know where that place is? And I said, oh, no, I don't know. But to be honest, I, I just wanted to go away. And then she said that, I have got a spare room. Would you like to come and live with us? Um, that was an amazing gesture. But because I came from a Muslim background, I was too afraid of saying yes. Well, because in the Quran it says, if you socialize with Christians, is a sin. So if you live with them, is imagine now, I was committing the worst sin. It's not like I was without sin. But I, was, I was trying to make as less sins as possible. Um, but then I had to come to a point of making a decision. Um, either I, have to, I had to go and live with sinners, that I thought, or um, I would have lost my daughter. And then I thought, either way, I will commit a sin, so I better go there. Once the baby was born, yeah, I moved with Novembers. Um, for the first time, I felt like I belonged in a family. They really looked after me. And I remember as a Muslim, I couldn't eat certain food. Um, but they will always make sure, like, if there was pork on the table, they will make sure to have chicken. 
I discovered Jesus. Um, I remember they used to speak a lot about Jesus in November's family, especially during the dinner time. I couldn't speak English, but when you learn a foreign language, you, you, know, you understand much more than you speak. But I will hear the stories. And I always was curious, thinking, but he's just a prophet, because in Quran, he's just a prophet. And uh, Richard gave me a Bible for children. He said, you can improve your English, because it was Albanian and English translated. And I took that, but I was too afraid to read it. I just took it out of respect, really, because I didn't like him to be offended. But in the meantime, when I left their house, I remember for the first time I felt homesick. I had leave, left my country, but I didn't feel like that. And I felt like something was missing. Instead of being happy that I had my own place to go, I kept coming back. And uh, Lucy was busy because she was working. It's not like she said to me she was busy, but she was working. And I felt like the only way to see her was coming on Sundays. But I remember every time I walked into that place in Mayfield, I used to ask Allah to protect me because I was so afraid of catching any spirits because they all mentioned Jesus and I thought, oh my gosh, what's going on in here? So I used to pray before and say, no, please God, Allah, forgive me and help me not to catch anything from here. But I just want to see Lucy. So that's how I used to come sometimes in the meetings. Halfway I would leave. But I used to come like that and be very afraid of you guys. Lifeline. I was fasting during the Ramadan. Um, um, I, I kind of was desperate. I kneeled down and I asked Allah, just tell me what should I do? What, what do I do? How can I move forward from here? And I was desperately during the Ramadan asking him because I thought that is a holy month and probably something was happen and but really I never heard from him never heard from Allah anything apart from grief and upsetting and sadness and it was not that communication it was a very distant relationship I never had a relationship with God anyway mm. well Jesus has a way of meeting with us because he knows how he how he made us and he knows how to touch us um, after I prayed as I said um, I didn't hear anything and I left it and early in the morning as a Muslim before the day dawns you just wake up early and have your food and that's what I did. I had my food and I thought, oh, well, I'm just going to go back to bed. So I studied a bit because I was learning English. And I thought, I'm going to go back to bed. It was 22nd of August, um, early morning, Sunday. And so I relaxed in bed. I was obviously dressed. And something had happened. I called it a dream. But I just felt like I fell asleep. And I had this dream, like the end of the world was coming. And you could see people running away and screaming. And it was like an earthquake and fire coming from heaven. And it was just like horrible. So much noise. And I was devastated. I was so scared. And I remember in the dream, I knew, my spirit knew that I was going to hell because I had sinned. And I, I just knew I was going to hell. And I cried out to God and I said, please, God, forgive me of my sins. Don't send me to hell. I was constantly, desperately asking him not to send me to hell. So I was, as I said, I was desperate. And all of a sudden, this huge noise that I was covering my ears from, it just suddenly stopped. It just stopped. And without even hearing, I just knew God was speaking to me because I felt like my body started preparing. And, um, and I heard this voice. And when, when I say voice, it wasn't just me speaking to you. It was as if everything spoke at the same time. And he said, Jesus is me. 
I was uh, I was so excited and so shocked at the same time because I had denied him over and over and over, and yet he chose to come to me and speak to me. So I woke up from that dream, and it was just as somebody just threw me like that. I didn't even, I can't even describe how I, somebody just threw me. And the moment I stood up from the dream, Fikret was still in the house, because as I said, we had arguments night before, and he, he came into the room, and it was kind of the same moment, and, and he saw me. And he just looked at me and he said, uh, what happens? Something has changed, you've changed, you've changed. I couldn't speak, to be honest. I knew something had changed, and I just kept hearing this loud voice, Jesus is me. Jesus is me, and I, everything in me wanted to shout out, I know. I remember it was Sunday early morning, and um, because I knew it was Sunday, I, I knew I had to come to church now. Jesus spoke to me, I knew he was the right way, and, and there was no way to go back. I just knew that I knew that I knew. After I met Jesus, um, everything changed. I just felt like I became a different person. The life was differently. I couldn't see the... the world, if I can say, in different light. I, I remember I used to see people differently. It's just like, wow, everything is so beautiful now. It looked different. It smelled different. Everything was different. And as a result of knowing Jesus and receiving the Holy Spirit and being baptized, I just felt like God gave me a different, another chance. And now knowing him was even better and easier because everything I had to do now, I just communicated with him and you just feel like he answers you back, and he, he always did answer to me, either in dreams or through other people, friends. Um, as a result of that, Fikrat came to know Jesus, and um, our marriage is restored, so I'm grateful to God for that. After I met Jesus, probably two, three years after, I thought I was all fine. I had forgiven people, and I was okay with it. But God reminded me of my childhood when I was five, five years old that I had received rejection back then, and... Uh, he set me free from rejection, and it was a wonderful feeling. I can't even explain the huge weight that was over me, and I didn't even know. But yeah, God set me uh, free from rejection, and only recently I uh, completed university, and I'm very excited that God is great, and with God all things are possible. So um, now that I know Jesus, and I know he is the living God, and he is the only way to salvation and to freedom and to peace and to joy. I just feel like I want everybody to know that. And to me, it's, it's sad when I see people walking every day desperate, not knowing what to do, and we know who can help them. So I think that's what drives me and makes me, and motivates me to keep going. And no matter how much people... <coughs> No matter how much people will say, no, don't say it again. I like to say it and re-say it and re-say it. Because one day they may just wake up and say, oh, yeah, I remember somebody told me about Jesus. So I, I, I like everybody to be saved, really, and experience what I have experienced and what I experience every day of my life. Yes! Fantastic, eh? Fantastic. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Imagine God reached out, called her by name, and he does that for every single one of us. Imagine all those transformations. Wasn't that marvellous? 
just thank you, Lord, for that. And, you know, we, we need to finish fairly soon. Um, uh, Jamie, can you come up for keys? And, and um, in a moment, I'm going to invite the prayer team forward as, as well, and Fatima, because um, I wouldn't want any of you to leave today without receiving a fresh touch from God, especially if some of those themes connected with you this morning. Imagine, before she was even born, there were negative prophecies over her life. She was unwanted, she was told. Well, that's, that is a lie. That is a lie. Nobody is unwanted because the Bible's quite clear that you were created and chosen for purpose. And if you're here this morning and you've been told that you were unwanted, let's get rid of that lie this morning. Do, there is, you must not hold on to that. There is no power that that thing can have over you anymore if you bring it to Jesus. Let's see that dealt with today. Those negative prophecies as well over her life, you'll never amount to anything, the guy said. You'll... You'll never go to university. You won't prosper. Those things can live with us for a lifetime. And I wouldn't want any of you living with those kind of negative prophecies. So if you are reminded now of something that's been said to you in the past and it's got a hold on you, you'll never... You'll always be like this. That's just the way you are. No, we don't want to accept that either. God's got a better plan for you. Even after Fatima had been saved and was living in the goodness of God, God reminded her of what had happened when she was five and how that rejection still had a hold on her. It's like, it's like there's a shadow hanging over you and rejection is so prevalent in the world today isn't it you just see people people are so quick to react so quick to get defensive so wanting to protect themselves and it's all coming from a place of rejection and that's not the way God wants us to live either so if you identify with that bring that before Jesus today as well yeah Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at Lifeline UK.